Welcome to the My Yielded Life podcast hosted by me, Ray Marie Marsh, where I will be answering the question, what does it actually look like to yield to God? So this is not a right or wrong. This is just God in me. You've got to hear him. That just didn't sound right. As a Christian, you feel like you know, you're given those two options, you're supposed to take the ministry road. You've got to settle this. Do you trust him? And yeah. I felt like God was not listening to me. Not everyone will go this journey. There are some who will. But I had to do this. I needed to be who I am. You didn't find this podcast by coincidence. You are here for this. Let's figure it out as we go. This is My Yielded Life. Coming up next on My Yielded Life. When Christ said, ask anything in my name, for example, or he said, baptize them in my name. He is not talking about the word Jesus. He's not emphasizing a word. He is talking about praying to him in accordance with who he is. And ask for things in alignment with the heart of Christ. This week, I'm throwing in a bonus episode since I had to minister at my local church this past Sunday. I am sharing that message with you. So enjoy. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 16. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? 
Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. So let's start by talking through the believers that Paul runs into at the beginning of chapter 19. So these men had taken the first steps, but the Holy Spirit is the goal. Repentance and belief are initial steps, right, to Christ. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is the aim. Think of it this way, because our climate right now gives a really good example. So right now we are in a national labor shortage. So everybody's hiring and everybody needs people to fill positions. So put yourself for a moment in the role of the hiring manager. That would mean you're interviewing people and you find a qualified candidate. And so you make a job offer. And if that person accepts an offer and decides to start the job, that's a starting point, right? That's a great starting point that has to feel good right now for managers that are hiring people. This is a life-changing starting point for that new employee, and it's also going to make a change, a shift, right, in the organization that they just joined. But that is not enough. For a hiring manager, that alone won't be enough. That person has to be trained. They have to be trained in order to function in that new role, in order for that job to be worth anything, in order for their being hired to be meaningful. That person has to meet their coworkers and collaborate with other people. That person has to become equipped in order to actually contribute, in order to actually help this company or this organization. And many of us started new jobs in 2021. So this concept is fresh for us. And you know what it's like to be new to the job, not really know what you're doing, and have to figure that out, right? There's a moment where it clicks, where you finally feel like, okay, I really work here now. (laughs) Okay, I'm really contributing to the cause, right? And just like that, repentance and turning to Christ is just a starting point. It's an important starting point. It's a life-altering starting point. You are becoming a new creature. That's how much of a starting point it is. But in verses 4 and 5, Paul explained that there was a difference, right, even beyond that starting point. He explained that John prepared the way for Christ through repentance and pointing ahead to Jesus. John the Baptist taught you to turn from your sins, right? And so they started out there. These men that he runs into, they started out there. And people, people will start out with a a mustard seed sized faith in Jesus and an understanding of repentance. But I'm saying to us, let's make sure we go the distance. Let's make sure we don't just stay at the starting line in Christ. Are you willing to go the distance with Christ? If you're willing to go the distance with Christ, then receive the Holy Spirit and receive the Holy Spirit ongoing because Christ wants us to trust in him and be equipped in him. He doesn't want our relationship with him to be like the first day on the job for the rest of our lives. We've got to move. And the word is our training manual, but the Holy Spirit is our skill. The Holy Spirit is our method. He is our how. And so Paul runs into disciples who needed more, the text says. And I want to ask you, are you okay with being a disciple who needs more? 
Or are you by chance a non-believer who wants to accept Christ and is willing to say that you need more? I confess for myself, I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I am in need of more. Let this not be taboo. We need more. Do you welcome more? Do you welcome the new thing that Christ is desiring for you or do you reject it? Do you dismiss him today? He is our Lord who wants to do more in us than what he has already done. And so we see that example with these believers that Paul runs into. The scriptures say there were about 12 of them. And then in verse six, it says that they received the baptism of Christ and the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues and began to prophesy. I want you to pay attention because this is not the first time we've seen this. They were filled with the Spirit and their mouths opened. Filled with the Spirit and mouths opened and they began to say things. And this is consistent in Scripture that the Holy Spirit causes things to then be said. And what is it that's being said? All we know is that they began to prophesy. And people think that prophecy is telling the future, telling what's going to happen. And maybe in a secular Webster's Dictionary definition, maybe that sums it up. But that is not what biblical prophecy is. And so when the Bible says prophecy, it means to declare or tell the truth. So actually, I'm prophesying right now. It is declaring the truth about God. That's it. And that truth might possibly involve things that God is going to do in the future, but many times it doesn't. And so the evidence we see paired with the Holy Spirit at work in people is that they begin to prophesy. People begin to open their mouths and declare the truth. The word says that God promised to pour out his spirit on all flesh and his sons and his daughters are then going to prophesy. In verse eight and nine, I want to highlight some things from there. And here's the point I want to hone in on that our interaction with the truth about God, the truth about Christ, that is what defines our discipleship. What we do with the truth is what separates us from being a disciple from not being a disciple. Paul spoke boldly in the synagogue. It says, for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom. And it says that some became obstinate. That means they became stubborn and refused to change their opinion. And we have a culture that chooses this position. And I do love God for the fact that he gives choice and free will. It says that some became obstinate and your translation may use a different word, but they refused to believe. Not only did they refuse to believe, they publicly campaigned against Christ. They went against Christ and these were Jews. And so Paul decides, bump this, deuces. He was out, he left. And guess what? Those people who refused Christ, those who declined, they are not disciples. The scripture specifically contrasts with them because then it says in verse nine that 
Paul leaves and he takes the actual disciples with him and he takes them to a dinosaur hall. No, I'm just kidding. He takes them to the hall of Tyrannus. That's why I call it the dinosaur hall. And something happens at Tyrannus that we need to take note of. It says that for two years, he took his time daily, it says, and he led discussions with the disciples for two whole years. So similar to Jesus's approach, because they were with him for three years, he talked to them and discussed with them the things of God. And he did so in such a way, Paul did, in such a way that all the Jews and Greeks in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. And I can't think of any other time in scripture where it says that the message got to everyone, the truth got to everyone. What they did with it, they don't tell us. We don't know. And we're never going to know. But the word got to everyone. And so in verse eight, we see him possibly preaching more like I am right now, arguing for the gospel, being persuasive, marketing Christ. And it doesn't say discussions here. So I can only guess that it was more of a monologue. But in verses nine and 10, we see daily discussions and the scriptures made sure to tell us that the word reached everyone living there. In verse 13, we see that there were Jews who did something pretty interesting on a regular basis. And I love their name, right? They were the seven sons of Sceva. Sceva was a priest. And so these sons were going around driving out demons. And they tried to use the name of Jesus to do so. And they said, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, I command that demon to come out. The text implies that they have been doing this for a little while. And then suddenly one day, a demon responds to them and says, I know who Jesus is. Okay, so Jesus, check. I know who Paul is. Paul, check. But who are you guys? It suddenly becomes exposed that these men have no authority based on what they're saying. In the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, come out. No authority. And it's like they are exposed. And the demon-possessed man has a violent field day with the seven sons of Sceva, and he beats them all down to the point that they were naked, bleeding, and running away. When we say in Jesus' name, the power is not found in just the word Jesus. Did you know that? The The power is found in the person of Jesus. When Christ said, ask anything in my name, for example, or he said, baptize them in my name. He is not talking about the word Jesus. He's not emphasizing a word. He is talking about praying to him in accordance with who he is. And ask for things in alignment with the heart of Christ. Baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptize them according to who the Trinity is and what God has done through Christ. So do you see why there was a difference between the original believers at the beginning of the chapter who were being baptized in the name of John? John was an advocate for repentance in preparation for Christ. He went out into the wilderness 
He gave up his whole normal life for the cause of this message of repent and prepare for Christ. He was so much sold out for his message. It was so much a part of his identity that he was beheaded eventually because of it. So he literally gave his life for this message and his whole identity was preaching repentance, get ready for Christ. Repentance, I'm preparing the way for Christ. Repentance, there's one coming after me. His name is Jesus. And those believers from the beginning of this chapter were baptized in accordance with that. And so Paul runs into them and that's the baptism that they received. So it wasn't about a word. It was about that person and what that person represented. But there was more. So Paul baptized them then according to who Christ is. Matthew chapter 7 verses 22 and 23 are those scary verses that are very serious and have huge implications where Jesus said that there will be people coming to him saying, but didn't I prophesy or declare the truth or preach in your name? Didn't I cast out demons using your name? Didn't miracles come through my hands because of your name? But God, I've been saying your name. That's what they're going to be crying. I've been saying your name. I've been saying your name. And he'll say, depart from me because you you may have used my name, but you never accepted me. And that is scary. But we can find assurance in this truth. And it's this, that Christianity is a person. It is relating to a person. It is the exaltation of a person. It is fascination and pursuit of a person, of a trinity, of a Godhead and his spirit. It is friendship with Christ. He said this. He called us his friends and no longer just servants. These are his words. It is giving up everything we have to a real, living, moving, breathing, fully alive person. A person waiting on you calling you by name, knowing everything about you, that person. Being a disciple is all about doing life with the person of Jesus. And the demons answered the seven sons of Sceva saying, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? Why did the demon know Paul though? Paul had a distinct moment when he was introduced to Christ, a conversion that was obvious from the beginning. And he and Christ were tight from that point on. His life gave evidence of that. And we know this. We also know he had difficult times with Christ. He wrestled with Christ. Paul said when he was writing to a church, what I want to do, for some reason, I don't do it. And then guess what? There are things I want to stop doing. And I really, really badly want to stop. And I can't. And this is a struggle that demonstrates that he was under the influence of a relationship with Christ. He wrestled and struggled to do the will of God because of his loyalty to a relationship. He also talked about the thorn in his flesh that he asked God to remove and God didn't do what he wanted. And Paul submitted to that response from God. He submitted to God's no and instead accepted God's grace and decided that that grace was going to be enough for him. Paul did life with the person of Jesus through the ups and downs. 
when I say God, do you get fatherly feelings? When I say Jesus, does your mind connect with a personal friend whom you've had many experiences with? And if not, you have to ask for the Lord to take you there. You have to either return to your first love or make Christ your first love by choice. And you've got to figure out what stops you today from being a friend of the Lord. Because this is what being a disciple is all about. It's loving the truth. It's living according to the truth. It's viewing the world and others according to the truth. It's having the lens of God over our eyes. Disciple making is just leading others to the truth, walking them through the truth, which takes time and collaboration and partnership. And Jesus is that truth. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So Christianity is not a religion. Among other religions, Christianity is a person and you are coming to the person of Jesus. And we are inviting people to Christ. In closing, I want to let you know I appreciate you for listening to this episode and I welcome your questions, feedback, disagreements, whatever it may be. You can email me at ray at myyieldedlife.com. You can also connect with me in between episodes by following me on Instagram or Facebook under My Yielded Life. So until we connect again, take care.